0: When it's released. Tour Story listeners get 10% off by using code FRET10. That's F R E T 10. All at isotope.com. That's I-Z-O-T-O-P-E.com. Hello everyone, and thanks for listening. I'd like to take a second to thank our sponsors, Isotope, makers of software and plugins for audio repair, mixing, and mastering. Here at Ruinous, we use Isotope from top to bottom in all of our podcast production. Check it out at isotope.com. That's I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com. And for 10% off their software, enter code FRET10 at checkout. Enjoy the show. Hey, Yuki, it's Joe Plummer.
1: Oh, Joe
0: Yeah, sorry, I've been calling so
1: much. I'm just trying to collect a few stories. What's up? How you doing? Yeah, hello? Are you there? oh hello.
0: In this episode, Yuki Matthews tells us how he dealt with undesirable accommodations due to an odds-defying name mix-up. We then get a bonus story of how he performed a headlining show at Coachella with hands and feet afire. From Realness Media, this is Tour Stories.
1: two thousand or two thousand one. This was with my old band, which was called Seldom. It was me, my friend Casey Foker, uh, and then the other member of the band was Casey Westcott. And Emily, my now wife, she was out on the road with us. So anyway, basically just on a road trip and we happened to be playing shows. It was that, that kind of tour. Spirits were fine, but it wasn't like, oh we're we're doing gangbusters. This is I'm so glad we're out here um, doing this. So we rolled into Houston with that kind of thing, like, ah, another show. Here we go. And it was, a, it was one of our headlining shows, and it was at a place called Walters on the Washington. Anyway, we showed up, not expecting anything, and there was a line out the door. And we were like, what? <laughs> Who's playing? <laughs> you know? But it was for us, and it had sold out somehow. And, like, there were people who couldn't get in. They were like, Whoa. This is wild. It had never happened before for us. And I was psyched because it was like, it was my songs and stuff and it was rad. Two weeks before this tour, I got an email from a guy named Darren Walker, and he was a fan of the band, and he was saying, "Hey, I I see that you're playing at Walker's uh, in a couple weeks. Um, if you guys need a place to stay, I uh, have space. My wife and I would love to have you." And at that point in you know my musical career, and you're not making money on the road, if somebody wants you to stay with them for free, you do it, and you can say forget. Uh, and he sounded nice enough, and he was offering this very generous thing. So, yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. So then let's go back to the night of the show in Houston. Uh, we're playing, and in between one of the songs, I remembered that I hadn't heard from the guy who emailed me. And so from stage, I was like, is Darren Walker here? And And these two girls in the middle of the crowd were like, you know Darren, so after the show, I tracked down these two girls who I was talking to from the stage, and they're like, "So, you want to get a hold of Darren?" And I'm like, "Yeah, he emailed me a couple weeks back, and he said it was totally cool uh, if the band and and my girlfriend stayed at the house, and he said he would be at the show. So, uh, do you know where he is?" Here's where it starts to get weird. They were like, "Oh, oh, I didn't even know he had heard about the show." I was like, whoa, like in the email, he said he was a huge fan. And so that was weird. I was like, well, anyway, do you think you could track him down? So they had to go find a pay phone. This is like pre everybody having a cell phone. They had to call yeah. him on a pay phone, and they came back in the venue, and they were like, yeah, we got a hold of him. He said, it's totally cool if you stay the night. So then we're back on track, and I'm like, okay. And they're like, so, yeah, we're in the Subaru. Follow us, we'll get you there. This is like, you know, we didn't have phones. We had to follow in a caravan. You know, we, we were printing out MapQuest directions to get around. So we followed them, and it was a long drive. We were going outside of Houston into kind of a rich area that I hadn't seen before. And I was like, whoa, Darren Walker, living in kind of a nice place. So we drove for like, I guess, like 40 minutes or something. And we were, you know, I'm so thankful that I was with my band and my girlfriend, because it was kind of getting sketchy. Like, what? Do they really know Darren Walker and where are we going? So we enter this gated community. And in my memory, it was like climbing ivy, like on wrought iron fencing that was like eight feet high. Gorgeous private neighborhood. All the houses were just enormous with multiple cars and driveways and perfect landscaping on everybody's property. And we pull up To this house, and the two girls are like, This is Darren's house right here. Uh, So we go up the door, and I knock on the door, and this guy asks the door, and he goes, So you guys played a show tonight or something? Oh, yeah. uh, Yeah, Darren. Remember, like, we emailed and stuff? Like, I didn't email you. I'm like, what? Wait, is your name Darren Walker? He's like, yeah, I mean, I've heard of your band, but like, I didn't, I didn't email you. And it got so weird. I was just like, oh, shit, man. Well, um, this is really strange. Uh, Are you sure it's okay if we stay here? Because he had offered, right? (laughs) Uh, This kid is like 19 or 20. We walk in there is no furniture in this mansion the living room is enormous no couch no lamp all there was in this huge living room that we went into was a jumbotron tv like <laughs> but like you know this is pre-flat like the crt like three feet deep console thing and that was it and it was plugged into the wall i'll never forget it and it was fully carpeted in there and he's like you guys, you guys have sleeping bags or something? You can just, like, put your stuff down here, and uh, I gotta go to a party, so, yeah, if you guys want to crash, it's all good. And, you know, at the time, I was just like, sure, like, I, <laughs> I don't know how to piece any of this together. He didn't give a fuck about who we were or anything. So, Casey Westcott, he was always game for anything, and still is, and so Darren was like, "I'm going to this party down the street," and Casey Westcott's <laughs> like, "Fuck yeah!" So they go off, and Casey Fobert was in a new relationship, and he was using Emily's parents' cell phone to call his girlfriend, <laughs> and he's just racking up an enormous bill. I think I I had like a $2,000 bill on Emily's <laughs> parents' phone. So Casey's out in the jeep on the phone and the other KC goes to this party, and Emily and I are in this enormous, unfurnished Houston mansion. It's like one or two in the morning, and we're super exhausted, and we have a long drive in the, the next day. So we're just like, this is super weird. Let's, let's get our sleeping bags and try to sleep. We do eventually fall asleep, but then I hear everybody come back from the party, -hmm. And I can hear Casey Westcott's voice. I hear Darren Walker, supposedly Darren Walker's voice, and also like five or six other people. We were right next to the kitchen, and they start like using the microwave and stuff. And they're just all really hungry from after this party, and they're you know making food and just causing ruckus. So I open my eyes, and when I open my eyes, there is a toothless young man with a scraggly, like, stringy beard and mustache about an inch and a half away from my face. (laughs) And he goes, Who the fuck are you? I was a little different. I was a little little more edgy in my youth. And I go, Who the fuck are you? And I hear Darren go, Take a you know you're not supposed to come down here. You get your ass back upstairs. <laughs> and I'm just like, whoa. And I lay there for a second, and I just go, no, like this. We're out. We are fucking out. We I rolled up my sleeping bag so fast. And I was, it's funny because in in hindsight, I was pissed at this guy for who didn't know us for offering us his house. <laughs> <God. laughs> like, like they were like you know if. In Japan, if you offer your home, you don't deserve people like that. You know, that's, I don't know. How are we supposed to rest in that scenario? I don't know. <laughs> so I stormed out, and Emily's, like, trying to calm me down, like, oh, calm down. Like, and I i think I said it to Darren, like, how dare you? We're out of here. So I have my suitcase, my sleeping bag, and I'm storming out to the Chiefs, and I see Casey, Beau who had been on the phone for like three hours. <laughs> oh so my hours God. In the and it's like four or five in the morning. And I see him mouth to his girlfriend, I gotta go. Because <laughs> he sees me coming. And he's like, I, we get in the car and I'm super mad. I slam the door and he's like, what is going on, dude? And so I tell him the story of everything that happened. And I calm down and we're all just kind of like, oh my God. So here's the bookend. We finished the tour, and I'm home, maybe a week or two later. I get an email from Darren Walker. And it says, Yuki, I really need to apologize for not being in communication with you. I was in a really bad car accident, and I've been in intensive care for the last two months. I hope you guys were able to find a place to stay. You know, your music really got me through my time in the hospital and all this stuff. The bottom line is there were two Darren Walkers. The end. Holy mackerel. Yeah. You could have been sacrificed. I mean, this, this guy or whatever his name was coming down like that, it was like gummo. It was like a harmony Right
0: the Yeah No joke It jokes. sounds like but, And so I
1: mean That's the is- I was on tour in 2016 with Mm -hmm. Sufjan Stevens. He's a wonderful songwriter, amazing artist, with a very big following. And so, you know, when I play with him, it feels like I'm part of a pretty substantial happening, you know? So it was exciting. So the the show that we were about to do was Coachella, and it was the first time Sufjan had ever done Coachella, and we were headlining the B stage. It was a big deal, right? And it was the final night of rehearsal, and I was starting to feel kind of ill. Like, all of a sudden, I just got really fatigued, and then I started to feel hot. So I we were going to take a dinner break of an hour, so I told everybody I was going to go upstairs to my room, and right when I laid down, I got incredibly hot. Like, my it, it felt like I went over, like, 105. And I don't know what it is. My personality, I was just like, I didn't want to rock the boat, you know? So i was just like, if I lay here and try to zen out for an hour, I can calm down. So I was waiting there and the alarm went off and I just, I was just in this gnarly fever state. So I told Lisa, Sufion's manager, like, look, I need another hour. I feel so sick right now. And she was like, do what you need to do. So I laid there for another hour. And after that, I did kind of feel better. I was still warm. But I, like, dragged myself out of bed and I went downstairs. And I finished rehearsal. And I was just sitting there completely out of it. And the drummer, James McAllister, who's a really good friend of mine, just goes, Dude, I've never seen you look like this. You look so fit. You're literally green right now. You know, like how does that even happen? Why does your skin turn? Yeah, that's a good Uh, question. So anyway, I think we ended rehearsal at six or seven. So I went went upstairs, drank a bunch of water, took some ibuprofen and just slept. And 10 a.m. came so quick, because I slept so deeply. And when I woke up, my fever had broken and I was just like fuck yeah thank you so much whoever Yeah, I can go I can go play this big Coachella headlining show with Soupy on okay and it's like a two hour drive to Coachella from LA or something like that and my plan was to just sleep some more and luckily we had two or three vans so every member of the van basically had a bench so I just laid down and again I just I slept so hard and um, woke up at Coachella. So here's where it gets crazy. I woke up from my nap in the van, opened my eyes, and looked at my hands. And my hands were covered in sores, red sores, blisters. Each hand had a hundred blisters. It felt like I had stuck my hands in boiling water for five seconds. And so, again, I didn't want to rock the boat. (laughs) That was my first thought. So I didn't say anything about it because I was feeling healthier, except for the fact that I had sores all over my hands. And luckily, we had the rest of the day off. All we had to do that day was... Sound check, but it was really hard to play the bass because the blisters were rubbing on the metal strings of my bass guitar. Um, Oh boy. So, got through that. That was a pain. And on the way back to the van that was going to take us back to the hotel, I noticed that it was kind of getting harder to walk. Like, my feet felt the same as my hands. I assumed my feet were covered in floors, too. So, we rode back to the hotel. I still hadn't told anybody. I was keeping a secret, you know. It was like yeah. I had murdered somebody, is, is how I was acting. So I checked into the hotel and I told everybody, you know, usually you get to the hotel it's like, what do we do at lunch or and everybody yeah. was doing that and I would have normally said like totally you know, I can't wait to do that. I'll see you in fifteen yeah. minutes. But this that's time I was like and the swimming. Yeah, let's do all the stuff that's on offer at this hotel. <laughs> immediately that's what you usually do on death this time i was just like oh, i'm gonna go back to my room and uh see what's on tv and you know so i did that and again i just laid in the bed and this time with the sores on my hands that i had never experienced i thought i was dying i just thought it was over so beyond anything I've ever experienced, why me, what on earth is this? Uh, Yeah, I took my shoes off and my socks, and they were covered. Just like these red bumps that, you know, raised skin red and like tight skin. I still haven't let on. Everybody knew I had a fever the day before, so I guess they assumed I was just nursing that. And so I, I just went, quiet. I went off the grid in my hotel room for that whole day and that night. I was taking ibuprofen, drinking lots and lots of water. And so I yeah, I just laid there, kind of in a panic state. It hurt so yeah. bad. Like it felt like I had burned my feet and my hands. I woke up the next morning, still had these terrible sores of, in fact it was worse. Like I had a picture somewhere. Like because I remembered getting an email from the preschool that said hand, foot, and mouth disease outbreak. And so, but when I got the email, I didn't read it because we didn't have that condition. So I was like, Oh, we're fine. But so I immediately opened the email in my hotel room, huddled in the fetal position on my bed. And it's exactly what I had. So almost simultaneously, As I read that, I got a text from my wife, Emily, saying Enid is very sick. She has a very high fever. And I texted back and I said, I think I know what that is because... And then I sent her a photo of what my hands looked like. And she was like, holy shit. So uh, back to tour, I texted Lisa, Sucion's manager, and I was like, I have this thing called Hand, Foot, and Mouth Disease. That's why I had the fever last night. That's why I've been out of it. And I sent her a picture, and she was just like, holy crap. (laughs) That is so crazy. She was like, let me talk to Sufjan and get back to you. And so my thought was like, I didn't know if I could do this huge, like, huge show. Like, I don't know how I can convey this. You know, like, it looks like Woodstock, you know? It was a big deal, okay. And so here I am. I have hand, foot, and mouth disease <laughs> from my kids' preschool, and um, I thought they would somehow come up with a way to just let me go. But Lisa came back with, "Sufjan wants to know if you can do the show," and I was like, "Oh shit! This is one of those yeah. where it's like the show must go on." And knowing how terrible sound check went, like how how bad it felt to play the bass. I yes. wasn't sure, but I texted back, this is highly contagious. Yes, I can do the show. <laughs> yeah. Um, and she was like, okay, what do you need to do? And I was like, I don't know. I've never had this. Uh, I assume I need my own dressing room. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because like yeah. from, from what I Yeah, the next day we rolled in to the show site and uh I I felt like like an alien. Like I just felt so self conscious. And I, I'm not really that way. I don't know, it was something about it being something I had never experienced. Made me feel right. really weird and like I sheepishly walked up to the group and like was like, Hi and I showed everybody my hand like a like a kid, like I have this. We went out there, Joe, and from my perspective, I played yeah. one of the best shows I've ever played with these doors all over my hands. Not not even just a tour story. Like, that's just the craziest thing that's ever happened to me. Yeah. <laughs> but it would have been, Oh well, yeah, we have tomorrow off. Maybe I'll have a, another beer and taco, and I'm going to take a nap. And then you would have slipped, yeah. and you would have broken your hand. Karmically, you're saying? Like something... Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was destined to have something like that happen. Uh, you were destined to have one of the best shows of your life, is how I look at it. No, no, uh sorry, I, mean, I like that perspective. That is, yeah. that is right. That is the way to look at it. Yeah. And I will look at it like that from now on. That, that, I mean, that is yeah. the sort of punchline, is that... We all got on stage and we were just like, what the hell
0: was that? That was an incredible show. Thanks to Yuki for the stories, and thank you for listening. Don't forget about our companion podcast, The Check-In. All at RuinousMedia.com slash Tarshtars.